Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Hi, everybody. This is Script Shop. Uh, my name is Jack, and I'm a helper monkey. Oh, okay. Um, hi, I'm Allison. This is Script Shop. I can't oh be boy! Put on the spot. Oh boy! I don't know what I am. Cricket noise. Cricket. Noise, I'm a cricket, cricket noise. noise. <laughs> That's all I am. I'm a cricket noise. Well, listen. I put you on the spot there a little bit. I was going to come up with a whole clever like Law and Order open, but I wasn't able to think of ah, it real quick. Dun dun. Wait. Yeah. We'll get to that here in do a minute. The, do the duntas. I always get chung, the tone. <laughs> I get the tone wrong enough. In the internet podcast system, there are two equally important groups that represent screenwriters and the show hosts that talk to the writers about their work. <laughs> These are their stories. <laughs> ding, ding. Oh, nailed it. So Jack Crumley at his is, best today. This is our podcast. Uh, we talk to screenwriters about their work and why they are the ones that, the only ones that could have written it. Right. What they, what, it, what the stories mean to them and how they're going to share them with the world. And we get into those stories. We poke and prod and mm. uh, we do an outline of them on the ground. And then we put little <laughs> flags up on the different pieces of them that we need to ask them questions about. So the reason that we're doing these really overt uh, crime scene investigation metaphors is because our guest this week is Bridget Masaros, who wrote a script called Masterpiece, and it is a 115-page unfolding crime feminist mystery. Yeah. Yeah. There's crime scene tape. Yes. Is there is there specifically crime scene tape in this? I think so. Well, I don't know because the bodies are always like dumped in a field and yeah, stuff. Yeah, but I mean, but if, but if they're if the cops are on the scene investigating like body twelve in the field, like there's tape around it. Like but if it's you're doing like the out shot, in the middle of nowhere. But you're you gonna know? have tape in the shot for sure. There's tape. The set director is like there has to be tape, yeah. and the director's saying that doesn't make any sense because this is a small town. Why would why would they do that? They would just because that's police procedure. But it's a small town. But they still have to have procedures. That there, There's rules for there a reason. There might be procedures, but they might not follow them. If you've written a script, whether it's about police procedures or whether it's about <laughs> murder mysteries or whether it's about <laughs> literally anything, you should send it to us. And yeah. you can do that by going on scriptshopshow.com slash submit or finding us on Film Freeway. The other way that we came across this script, how did we come across this script, Ooh, Allison? Oh, my gosh. Um, Bridget submitted her script to the Sendependent Film Festival, mm-hmm. and it was my honor to read it as part of the adjudication process for the festival this year. And then she came to the Sendependent Film Festival, and she rocked hard for a few days. I don't know how many days she was actually there. She was there the whole run. Yeah, from like beginning to the end. To Bridget- beginning, middle, end. <laughs> script joke, writing, story arcs, jokes. Yes, <laughs> Bridget was great. So I had the uh, distinct honor of hosting uh, the screenplay reads every day at 1230. And a scene from Masterpiece is one of the things that we read. And Bridget, I think, attended all of the screenplay readings. And it was very cool to have people's words that they had sent us be read out loud to them. I had a lot of really great feedback from them about the way things were interpreted and how cool it is for a writer to hear their words like actually spoken out loud instead Mm -hmm. of read off of a page. And uh, it went over very well. And it was cool hanging out with her. And I'm very glad that she sent us her work and she's on the show. Let's, um, okay. We gotta hit. We gotta hit. What, what else we gotta do? Frank? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Look Patreon. Us up. Patreon. Give us send money. Us money. Patreon. We, we really want to talk to Bridget. <laughs> so we should just do that. Yeah. Bridget, are you there? I am. Hello. What's Yay. going on? 
oh, not a whole lot. I'm here talking to some like three fabulous people, but that's about all I have going on. So now I'm blushing too. <laughs> <laughs> and we all are. Tell Frank's, us. Frank's blushing. Frank's here. I guess I'm one of these fabulous oh, hi, Frank. people. Oh, maybe I was. I didn't forget about you. Okay. Yeah, she said three people. All right, sweet. <laughs> well, Frank is unforgettable. Absolutely, truly. he's yeah. un- he's unforfrankable. <laughs> we did have a lot of like we did have a one on one time there for a little bit at nice. the festival. We were we were playing card games. It was a good time. Yes. Tell yep. me about your festival experience, Bridget. Yeah. Good question. Oh, it was great. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it because I mean, as a writer, I did do a table read. It was a bunch of like theater friends because I needed to hear the voices outside of my head. Um, so <laughs> it was really cool to. I did attend all of the readings because I was there as a writer. So I was like, I should probably you know support my fellow writers and go to all the readings. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were great. There were some great scripts there. Some that were like really hilarious, um, and others like mine that were a little bit darker. Um, but yeah, it was a great festival. You guys rocked it. You really did. Aw. Thank you. Thank you. We really just brought that up for so you for, so you could feel it obligated just, to tell us how good a job yes, we did. Just compliment us. That's really the <laughs> That's whole point all. of this show. <laughs> I mean, I was complimenting you like the whole time I was there too. That's I was true. like, this is for the inaugural year. Like it was great. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it was well, so it was so awesome hanging out with you and she uh, taught me how to play spider solitaire. What is Oh that? yeah. You didn't know yeah. Spider Solitaire? I did not. Yeah. I just know it on the computer. And free cell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Is it different than regular solitaire? It's a bit different. Like yeah. how so? For- yeah, well, it's it's <laughs> preloaded on like any computer, so just oh. find it on there. <laughs> okay, so I thought that you guys were like actually playing with real cards. We were. We were. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so you did it with the cards from the swag bag. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. So you guys played solitaire. Did you do it in the VIP lounge? We did. Awesome. The VIP lounge. Thank you, Gwen Sounds, for yeah. sponsoring the VIP lounge. That was so great. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> well, we're so glad that you came to the festival, and I was so honored to have your script be part of it. It was just super great yes. going through this, again, unfolding crime <laughs> mystery. Oh, Jack. Um, so let's talk to you a little bit about how you write and how long you've been writing and where you are. So let's. where are you right now? Sure. Um, I am in my bedroom at the time. No, um, so I live. No, in we mean emotionally Ohio. where you're at. <laughs> I know. Um, it was yeah. So this story came about because I fell asleep watching a Criminal Minds marathon, mm. and in my weird dream phase, I came out of dreaming and like thought of a couple of the grueling details of it uh particularly the mm-hmm. uh, paintings mm-hmm. i was like oh that would make a great thing and then oh and then if she was like this oh she needs oh god i need help mm-hmm. um was basically how this story started and then at the time this was um several years ago so at the time i was like 20 years old i was in college for hospitality management i'm not a strong writer and so I was sitting there and I was like, yeah, because me going up to season eight of Criminal Minds would be like, hey, I have a great idea for a show for you. <laughs> like, probably not going to go over well. So Joe Montaigne, um, Criminal Minds, not so much Mandy Patinkin, Criminal Minds. <laughs> yes, yes. The the TV series. Yes. Right, right, right. Um. So, yeah. So that's how I sat on it for years. And then I started acting about three years ago. And um, started obviously reading screenplays through acting. And then I was like, oh, I could write one of these. Like, because it's not overly detailed. Like, when you read it in the book, like, you know, you have to keep, come up with all these visuals and these senses and everything else. And in a screenplay, it's it's a farmhouse. Yeah. 
and that's all you gotta <laughs> that's all you gotta write. So I was like, oh, I could write this. Um, and then I've been editing it for like a year and a half. The editing process mm. I was not prepared for. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one of my favorite things to talk about with writers is like the the collaborative process of filmmaking and the idea that you as a writer can just say exterior farmhouse and then leave it up to everybody else to to fill in a lot of those blanks there i think that's one of the cool parts is there about police it. tape is there not police right. tape yeah, well, right what's the police tape situation <laughs> as you were talking about that i was like i don't think i specifically wrote that there is police tape at any of the crimes yeah you know why is because you know it. there's not it's a small town and they're doing things they're they're going cold on these cases it's procedure mm-hmm. there's absolutely police tape on those scenes that's what procedure is you follow rules because there's but this there's is, rules top but down. this is different because they're in the middle of nowhere that's why these kinds of things can happen in okay, this story well, agree to disagree <laughs> um so okay so details going through writing this editing wow is this the first script you've ever written or or are there other things you've written uh, this was my first one. Um, I've started to write some other ones. I fell into um, dietary issues a, a little over a year ago. And um, it's very hard to explain in writing to people like kind of what you go through because it's all digestive issues. And so it's all internal. And so I want a way to visualize that and mm-hmm. like make that be a little bit more. So I've been writing, working on writing that. But this was actually my first script. It started out at 154 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just wrote and wrote and wrote, um, and I did not have an outline. I just, uh, you know, just crap shooted it, um, and then moved everything around and edited it from there. I submitted it on like blacklist and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and got torn apart the first couple of times. Um, but that's kind of good in a way, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was. I, um, it helped me figure out, you know, what was working, what wasn't working. Like even from the beginning, like they, it was the concept is there. You just have to kind of finagle it so that you don't lose the audience. You know, obviously at 154 pages, there were parts that were too long and drawn out and everything else. Um, so, so yeah. And then I just kind of cut it from there. Um, who, who else did you have read this script when you were working on it? Um, first and foremost was my husband. He has been reading it from the beginning. Um, but one of the first things I did was blacklist was mm-hmm. I, you can pay for reviews on it. Right. Um, and took those reviews and ran with it. Um, and then, you know, through last summer, I was working as a stand in for an NBC show. Um, so I had a lot of connections there. So like a lot of, um, the the other key component there was the writer's assistant I befriended and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, nice. Hey, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so she also writes and directs and everything else. So I was like, Hey, you want to, you know, take a stab at this? Let me know where I'm hitting, where mm-hmm. I'm missing. Um, so then, yeah, just anyone and everyone within family, because it's like registered with WGA and everything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially hearing that it's your first script, it's very clean. You know, there. The, oh, it, thank you. It doesn't feel disorganized. Yeah. It doesn't feel sloppy at all. And I, I can see that you've put a lot of work into making sure that you're getting great feedback from people that probably respect and you respect their position in the in the industry as well. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. What did your husband have to say about this? <laughs> well, <laughs> so, um, I actually told him about this idea early on in our relationship, even before I wrote it. So mm-hmm. that's probably why he's still with me. I think he's a little scared to leave. <laughs> um, so, um, but he was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so no, he's been well aware of it from the beginning and, um, he's been very supportive with trying to write it, try to get it out there, try to get people to read it. Um, and he's been, he's very analytical. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also, I I'm very creative and analytical. So, um, but to hear it from his point where he's just like, all right, this is getting boring. Then, you know, take a second look at it and Mm -hmm. kind of trim it down. So because this is sort of a crime investigation sort of story and there are a lot of like technical terms as far as procedural things go and, you know, when when the coroner is on the scene doing the autopsy and stuff, how much, I mean, is there a lot of research involved when you've put this thing together as far as specific terminology and, and, and the way somebody would go about doing something? Well, um, that's just more so for my fanaticism of CSI, Criminal Minds, NCIS, like all those shows. I've always been a huge fan of those. Mm-hmm. So most of my terminology is kind of coming from that. But I do have a friend that worked for the U.S. Marshals. Oh. And so she would always get really interesting texts from me. I was like, hey, so is it weird <laughs> if someone were to like find a dead body and like, just like go off? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hey, are you A, are you free? B, let's talk blood splatters for a minute. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, that sounds Um, really helpful. That component. So yeah. Yeah. I I mean, honestly, what what kind of things would you text to her if you if you remember? I really want to know. I do too. (laughs) I'm trying to remember now. Um like one, I I ran because she was my college roommate too. She was like a bridesmaid in my wedding and everything. So like we'll just text text normal stuff and mm-hmm. then i would just be randomly be like hey so how far back can um say like a casino go back for their um video surveillance mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know it's three months too far and she was just like uh, why <laughs> mm-hmm. oh yeah she's Perfect. sitting here going uh right. is there something you need to tell me <laughs> <laughs> i was like right right it's for the script she's like yeah sure it is sure it is uh-huh. yeah. that's one of my favorite bits if people say we're rehearsing a play like <laughs> no matter no yeah no matter what situation somebody walks in on you if you say it's fine we're rehearsing a play they'll be like um okay bye <laughs> and get out <laughs> that person's laying on the ground with that strawberry jam it's cool this is all yeah, just no, it's fake. Fine. It's all good. So as an actress, and if this is like sort of the first thing that you've written and that you've really sort of worked on and put a lot of effort into, because the the main character in this, I think, is Elizabeth, this, this woman who's a, a young girl and then she grows up and she's very isolated with her mom and her mom gets killed and so much of the story is police trying to find who killed her mom, but then also sort of the psychological dive that Elizabeth's character takes in the aftermath of her mom getting killed as an actress. Are you writing for yourself? Are you writing for like strengths that you know you have? How does, how does the actress in you figure into your writing process? So, um, yes and no. So I did cheat. I made her blonde cause mm-hmm. I am blonde. Um, that was really my only component. Like in an absolutely perfect golden world, I would be playing Elizabeth. We would get this produced. Carrie always would be Copeland cause mm. I adore him. Um, and so, and Reese Witherspoon would produce it. Like that's the, that's my golden standard. That's what I'm shooting for. Yeah. That cool. sounds good. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. I also um, love Carrie always. That guy's oh, gosh, hot. I love him. He's so beautiful. As you wish. <laughs> He's so talented. Like his his breadth of um, acting abilities. Like I've I've grown up with his, some of his movies, mm-hmm. and he's very distinct characters, mm-hmm. and I adore that about him. Yeah. Well, I'm right on that train with you, girl. Yeah, because he yeah. was in freaking <laughs> Saw. Like nobody remembers Saw. He was Everybody's probably brilliant in it. Princess Bride, and 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 what was the what was the Mel Brooks Robin Hood movie? Yes, Men in Tights. Yeah, the like, Saw and Saw is so crazy. Like the first one, he was right there from the get go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's very, did very you see, diverse. Did you ever see Kiss the Girls? 
No. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I'm going to um, Google he, it right now. It, it's a police drama um, where they abduct <gasps> uh, a bunch of talented women. For the, it's like a Casanova type character, and he mm-hmm. abducts like these talented women that like, and then he just has them perform for him. Oh, and, wow. Um, and he's a police officer in that one, and he does phenomenally in that one too. So, like, yeah, he just has a very wide range. So, hmm. so are are you was, writing? Do you write your scripts with certain actors in mind, whether or not there's a likelihood of you getting them in there? Um, I wouldn't say like there there were times because you know. I, I started writing Copeland and then when I was like finessing characters, I definitely had Carrie always in mind and just his um, naturalness and like groundedness is kind of like how I see this character. Yeah. And like, I, there were definitely times where like, I would think like, how would he deliver it? Um, but not really, because really other than that, I have no idea who I want to play other characters. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, and then for Elizabeth, like I would, I would love to play her, but I would want the movie made more than me to play her, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Sure. Ooh, can I talk to you about my favorite theater script that has a mother-daughter relationship in it that's very, Ooh. very special? Yes. Okay, great. So my favorite <laughs> script of all time is called Night Mother. I've talked about it enormously on this show, yeah. but what ends up happening is that this mother and daughter live out in the middle of nowhere. Um, they're a bit older where the daughter is, I'm guessing, I think she's in her late 40s and the mother is older than that, of course. And the daughter at one point says to her mom, well, she doesn't say it. Basically, the script opens with the daughter like getting her mom set up to be comfortable and kind of manage on her own without her because the daughter is going to, um, she's going to, she's going to kill herself. She's going to commit suicide. And her reasoning being that she, she, she knows her life isn't going to change. She says, my life is like, like, uh, being on a bus for many stops past where I'm supposed to go. And now I can get off the bus. She goes, it's like, it's like listening to the radio and hearing a song that, you don't want to hear it and I can turn that off and just end all the static now. And it's like very, that whole mother-daughter relationship and kind of the drastic things that happen that change people. Your script mm-hmm. and that script have that in common. So you should read that and let me know what you think. <laughs> I should. What is it called? It's called Night Mother and it's by Marsha Norman. Night Mother. All right. Yeah. So you have written this script called Masterpiece and it's about this young woman who does lose her mother in a very grisly way. And Ugh. She's spent her life sort of, even though it's a contemporary script, uh, it, they sort of live almost as, I don't want to say hermits, but they live on this farm and they're very isolated and the daughter was homeschooled and dad got out of the picture fairly early on. And so much of the script is about this woman who's a, this Elizabeth character who's a victim, but then very much turns it into something where she's not a victim or doesn't want to continually feel like she is it, one. Right. It's like she doesn't want to mm-hmm. feel that way. And so she changes the story. Yeah. She, I mean, she sort of becomes a villain in her own way. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. if you fell asleep watching, you know, a CSI or a Criminal Minds thing, as far as the way that you constructed this story, what was your, like, what was sort of the basis beyond the fact that you were watching, you know, police investigation shows? Well, one of the things with um, a lot of police procedures and everything else is they start once they're on the trail of a killer, right? So there's so much more leading up to that, like what caused that person to become that way. Um, And I kind of wanted to dive into this notion of sociopathy versus psychopathy, Hmm. where um, nature versus nurture 
type thing where a psychopath has a chemical imbalance in the brain. They're born that way. That's just how they are. And that's just how they're going to continue to act. And some people are way off the charts and some people aren't quite off, you know, become business people and not murderers, but they still have that, um, leveraging. Now the sociopath is usually a traumatic event at a young age that they lose empathy. It's not that they mm. were born without empathy. They just learned to lose it over a series of events. Okay. And um, so that was just something that really intrigued me. I've always just been interested in like psychology and like, I, I guess I, if I broke it down, it was probably because I really like puzzles and I like finding answers. So it's just like, mm. how does someone become that way? And so I just kind of started like reading a lot of books. In the middle of a festival. That makes so much sense for you. <laughs> that makes so much sense for you, Bridget. You say I like puzzles and you know, we just talked yeah. about you and Frank playing solitaire in the middle of a film festival. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I really, I really do like puzzles, but just, I don't know, just the breakdown of how someone can come to be. And then um, I did, I don't know if it comes across that way, but I did write in a couple like humorous parts with the first kill where like at first, you know, she's very shocked that she was capable of doing that. And then she's like stumbling through, like trying to cover up this body that she like didn't anticipate having. And it's just like, all right, right. what do we, and like, there's some really dark humor in that aspect. Cause like you never really see the serial killers first kill. It's always when they're like these masterminds, they've killed 15 bodies and they leave no trace. And it's like, this hunt for that person, this crazy person and trying to make them a little more human mm -hmm. and show how there's this dilemma right now with things. Sorry, Allison, I know you were kind of talking about it before that you don't really want to talk about school shootings, but these kids that were going in that that's, I see that more of a nurture thing. Cause when you, they have, um, they talk to like some of the other students they are like, yeah, he was like super weird. Like no one talked to him or anything. And I was like, well, you're kind of part of the problem. Like, you know, like he's reaching out to people like, yeah, they might be weird. And like, you know, we all have our quirks and it's just trying to find that. Like I've always been that person that tries to bring everyone together yeah. and like try to find that common ground with people. And um, it's really heartbreaking when someone who is strange and then you learn like their family history is just like so warped. You know what I mean? Like they're mm -hmm. growing up with their grandparents. that don't care about them. Like, you know, they don't have that social interaction when they're at home. So then they don't know how to act to people at school, but then people outcast them because they're weird. And yeah. then it just turns into like this violent snowball. Um, it's a cycle. So that was some, yeah. So that was kind of where I kind of wanted to go with it to show like, it's not just one thing or the other thing that causes this. It's a whole conglomerate mm -hmm. of things that come together at the right moment to cause something this atrocious to happen. And that was just something that has kind of always intrigued me. Excuse me. Uh, in the script, too, you know, talking about those moments when people lose empathy, you set up <laughs> that Elizabeth did have a moment like that as a child. But then again, I think there's maybe a reiteration of it that is, is her like catalyst into it potentially in terms of like a snowball of things happening at the right time where her mother is brutally murdered and left on the porch and there's no idea who did it. Right. So mm -hmm. you have it built in that she did have a traumatic event as a child or, and a traumatic history with her father. And, but then again, this new event might've inspired another like round of lack of empathy, which I think is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Her trigger point. Yeah. And, yes. and and the way she starts out, even though she's sort of a victim, she's definitely a victim at first because her mom gets killed mm -hmm. out of nowhere. But then when she first starts killing these guys, she's doing it in a way that mimics the way her mom was killed, which I think is a very specific reaction, right? 
Right. Um, so it was more so in spite of the police department of the mother's case going cold. Right. So she's like, all right, you want to tell me that the case is going cold? Here's another, uh, here's the blow the case wide back open mm-hmm. type thing. Yeah. Yeah. That- so that's what she doesn't want her mom. She, she can't cope with the loss of her mother. Like she can't, um, everyone else is moving on and she obviously can't. So then she's trying to bring her mother like back into talks of the community and stuff like that. I, I do remember that being mentioned in the script, but I do, for me, a lot of the times with her bringing those bodies in, it, I, I see that now that that's what she was actually getting at. Whereas I thought it was a way for her to like cope with that grief exclusively. Mm -hmm. I didn't really realize until now having this conversation, which is cool about script shop that like on a bigger (laughs) picture and a bigger, wider level, she was really, trying to reconnect with her mother through all of this mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. That's special. And then and then on top yeah. of that also there's a there's a, there's some very strong gender issues, I suppose for lack of a better term, where mom <laughs> sort of raised her to be to know that men are bad news, nothing ever good happens from men and then you see you do a lot of flashbacks in the script of her as a child and her as a teenager and a lot of her interactions with boys, the boys act like jerks and she doesn't understand why cuz she doesn't really have a lot of social interaction to begin with and so it really sort of turns into her into this going after some dude that's at a bar that's flashing his money around and being very, you know, sexually aggressive on a certain level. And she wants to punish mm-hmm. them for that. Right. And that's why I threw in the same, uh, the scene with David, um, where he is genuinely nice mm-hmm. and she walks away. Um, and that's kind of, that was my way of showing that she's going after a specific type, but she's not going after just anyone. Um, she's going after this type that, um, thinks that they rule the world and she's kind of putting them in their place in a way. Um, so just, yeah, it was more so of that notion where it's, she has a type that she's going after. It's a methodical thing. She's not just killing willy nilly. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think we should jump into a reading from the script? Yes, we should. I of course have yes. tons more questions, but I think maybe <laughs> introducing your words is a good, a good little place here. I agree. Um, sure. So Bridget, we will come back to you in just a few moments. We're going to, Pot your mic down and get this scene reading. We're going to read scene 50 and 51 where uh, Copeland, who is the local sheriff, is going over to Elizabeth's house. This is months after her mom has been killed. No one has been arrested. No one has been charged. Elizabeth is kind of getting tired of having to deal with people showing up on her property all the time. Copeland is bringing his own issues into the scene where he feels guilty about a case from when he was first getting going. And I think there was a girl that committed suicide that didn't work out. And he's trying to sort of prevent that from happening again. Copeland has a very strong emotional connection to Elizabeth's character. Mm-hmm. And in this reading, Jack will be reading Copeland, I will be playing Elizabeth, and Frank will be doing our action headings. So, Hang on one second, Bridge. There we go. And Frank, whenever you're ready. Exterior. Farmhouse. Day. A car pulls up to the drive. Elizabeth steps out of the house, shotgun drawn. The driver door opens. Hands come out of the car. Copeland steps out. We have to stop meeting like this, Elizabeth. You need to stop coming on my property unannounced, Sheriff. You're right. What do you want? Well, first, I'd like if you would stop pointing that gun at me. Elizabeth lowers the gun and leans it on the porch. She walks down the steps and waits at the base. Copeland carries some homemade food. I was wondering if I could look around a bit. I know it's been some time since your mother passed. Seven months. Yes, seven months. 
It doesn't add up, and I just feel like I'm missing something, so I would like to take a second look. Elizabeth notices the food. You're saying you messed up, and you're just now coming back. Small, defensive shrug. Better late than never. And my wife is one hell of a cook. If you say so, Sheriff. If you don't mind, I need to check in the barn. Please wait outside. Sure thing. Elizabeth walks away. Copeland sets the food down and looks around. The stain is very faded, but there. He peers in the window. There's an open door down the hall. He sees paintings covering the wall and Amy's face on the easel. He walks around to the back of the house to look in the window. He sees a stack of paintings of Amy and roses. One canvas is ripped with dark colors smeared around. Did you find something, Sheriff? Copeland jumps. Elizabeth is standing two feet from him, slightly agitated. I didn't know you painted. My mother taught me. It's relaxing. Well, it's good stress relief. I've tried drawing before. Nothing like what you're capable of, apparently. Thank you. Copeland, still a little off guard, changes the subject. So, did you clean the porch? I tried to get rid of the stain, but it never really went away. Did you bleach it? Would you want to look at that every day? Copeland can't argue with that. Do you mind if I look inside? Ten minutes is all I need. Haven't you already been? Copeland smiles. Elizabeth is starting to warm up to him. Interior. Farm. Farmhouse. Day. Copeland looks around. Some pictures have been replaced with paintings of Amy. He notices the law books. Looking to start your own investigation? I just thought I could help. I get it. Doubt comes with the job. People always doubt us. Is that because you let a case go cold after seven months? Something like that. Copeland starts to walk down the hallway to the studio. Elizabeth cuts him off. That room is off limits. Copeland looks quizzically at Elizabeth. The police searched every inch of this place. I need a space that is mine, untouched by other people. Elizabeth deflates. Copeland takes a step back. You know, I really liked the painting that I saw. It's still off limits. To admirers or otherwise. You already snooped anyway. Copeland focuses on what's in the open. Looks around the house some more. Elizabeth glances back at the studio. Scene. Scene because Elizabeth has stuff that she's... She's got secrets. She's hiding things. (laughs) She's got masterpieces in in progress. (laughs) So let me ask you about the relationship between Copeland and Elizabeth, because one of the things I noticed when I was reading that script was that Copeland has kind of terrible instincts, at least when it comes to her. (laughs) He does. And when it comes to this case, he doesn't realize how dangerous Elizabeth is to the point where he's almost willfully ignorant of it. But later on, when he's investigating one of these other kills, and he's he's questioning this ex-fiancé of a guy that Elizabeth killed, and like they sort of broke up under bad circumstances, after he gets done talking with the fiancé, Copeland's like, well, she seems kind of suspicious. Like, his instincts are way off. (laughs) They're really bad. Is is there a specific... Was there a driving thing behind that or is that just the way you wanted to write his relationship with her um it was just more so um because she is a victim and because she is um secluded and everything like that that he's just very communal person and so he feels very bad for her and so she's she warms up to him and so he thinks that he's like breaking down her walls in a way and that he's getting to know her on a more personal level that he feels that you know, they've had conversations that she would be able to tell him um, if there was something going on or something like that. And then also um, you find out later in the backstory that he had a victim um, from a 
prior case when he was very young as a police officer, uh, there was a victim of a murder scene as well where the victim committed suicide when they couldn't solve the case. So he doesn't want Elizabeth to commit suicide. And so he's he's just very attached to her and he's very much the fatherly figure in mm. this script. Um, and so, yeah, it's just more so of that he's he feels like he's building that bond. So then, um, yeah, it was just more so that He's a little naive and there's a lot of police um, investigations that that happens where they usually it's they zone in on a specific person that's completely wrong. And then they make excuses to prove that this person is the person that they're looking for when they're not. Um, so that just happens. We have emotions that fog us. We all have that. So that's kind of why I put it in there. Well, and also it's not like they ever figure out who's actually doing the killings. You know, he, he right. doesn't have anybody else to pin things to. Mm -hmm. And if he's blindsiding himself that it, it can't possibly be her, he, he doesn't know who else it could be either at all. Yeah. And that's what, um, I don't know, maybe I need to throw in a few more details. I wanted it to be where, you know, we find out that this other serial killer has been killing for 20 years. Like, he's very good at what he does. And so there isn't anything. Like, everything that they go through is all dead ends. So there really, there legitimately is nothing to um, warrant finding this other guy. Um, so that was the other thing was just he gets just so def um, defeated through it. And then, you know, it takes seven months of him just hitting brick wall after brick wall um, before Elizabeth even thinks of the notion of killing someone. So yeah. he's just running into dead ends that, and then once the bodies do start coming up, you know, he's still hunting down those dead ends type thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wanted to ask you if if this sort of felt like it fit into more of a series kind of thing, because you do set up some things about how there have been these killings that have been going on in the same way for years. And there's a little bit of a part where Elizabeth is sort of set up by a faceless person. And there's one of the victims mm -hmm. is somebody that she never killed. Does this sort of figure into a larger story that you would maybe want to tell? Well, I mean, I do have an idea for a sequel, if that's what you're driving at. Yeah, um, sure. But... Sequel, prequel. Yeah, all of it. <laughs> Um, but I haven't gotten around to writing that yet, but I do have ideas for the sequel and what I would want to happen. Um, but I haven't dived into that at all yet, but yeah, I wanted to leave it open. I wanted it to be more about, um, the psychology of and the, the evolution of a sociopath. That's how I keep marketing it is that, you know, that's what this is. The evolution, the breakdown, the causes, you know, the backbones to why Elizabeth would even want, could even fathom killing in the first place. Mm -hmm. Type thing. Well, I think that's very well demonstrated then throughout the whole thing that it's not really about her being a victim or right. grieving her mother. It's about her becoming, for lack of a better word, this villain that you talk about. Mm -hmm. If we're just going to put like archetypes on them, she does eventually become the villain, become the killer, right. literally capturing men and killing them stabbing him the same way her mother did and then let's get on to why the script is even called masterpiece oh right her paintings <laughs> are done spoiler yes. alert if you haven't read the script stop right now go read it go read it <laughs> welcome back to the show um blood she's painting in blood <laughs> yeah what why painting was... for elizabeth yes why painting um I don't know. I'm just, I'm an artsy kind of person. And, um, that was one of the details that I dreamt of when I fell asleep watching Criminal mm. Minds was like, Oh, what if they painted in the victim's blood? Oh. And then if they send it as a, as a remorseful card to like the victim's families, Oh, that'd be so twisted. Yeah. Um, 
And that's when I was like, wow, I should probably like institutionalize myself. Um, <laughs> but that's why. Um, but that was one of those details that that's been there from the beginning. Just that that was the gross factor, I guess. The, well, that she does paint is just something that she does. Mm-hmm. You know, she talks about mm-hmm. the fact. Well, she uses it for different reasons, too. Like after her mom dies, she paints all of these pictures of her mother, which I think feels very in line if her mom taught her how to paint right she's processing her grief it's like art therapy which Mm -hmm. i mean honestly that vein continues where she may be processing emotionally how to deal with the fact that she's now murdering people she comes by murder very honestly i think she it's coming from a very real place (laughs) Uh, yeah you know it happens yeah and then there's such a cool visual as police are investigating things and they start to suspect elizabeth's character more and more and the 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 visual that's in your script about when they finally do realize that she is painting with blood and there's some Mm -hmm. kind of spray that they use that like sort of glows in the dark uh talk about that scene for a second um, that was how the episode of Criminal Minds was supposed to end. Oh. <laughs> that was just the, the icing on the cake. The visual ending of it was just, uh, that's how I thought visually would be such a cool thing that with luminol, when you spray it, you know, it illuminates under black light for 30 seconds, 45 seconds. I can't remember. It's not very long. Um, but just the fact that, you know, they have this inkling that it's one thing and then they like kind of take a step back and like everything in the room starts glowing it was just be like oh that's creepy um so that was kind of the visual um i don't know the visual button i guess to the i would say visual payoff yeah it's really fun to read that (laughs) yeah of course though she and so the original killer is a bit is, is a bit of a device then because he plants her hair right on mm-hmm. another body, which gets a, a warrant for a search warrant, which then gets everybody in there. So that serves as a really good device to keep the focus on her story, actually. Um, except for mm-hmm. the fact that I'm sitting there going, who is this person yeah. setting her up and stalking her and leaving her secret notes in bars? Ugh. Yeah, Do- I um, I just liked that notion of, um, you know, a lot of times they... they so I've read a lot of books about psychopathy and everything else. So, um, but they talk about like the serial killers, they, they know when they have a copycat, you know, they read the papers, Mm. they try to find, you know, that's their trophies. That's how they get their high is people talking about them and people talking about the things that they've done. Um, so they're very well aware of other, um, active killers and other people that are trying to copycat them. And so the notion was, you know, two years in the making that Elizabeth has been doing this, that this guy's like, okay, you know, enough is enough. Let, let's calm down. <laughs> like, you're right. not as good as you think you are. Like, type thing. Well, and also this is clearly the first entry in the, in the Bridget Massaro cinematic universe. So there are going yep. to be sequels and prequels and everything else. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> it was very well set up for that. Just with like, yeah. How did her mother get killed? Who is that stalker? Mm-hmm. What I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, I have written down too. You introduce voiceover at the end of the script. Mm-hmm. That could be the beginning of something else too. That's what it feels like. So, also, why did you put a voiceover in right at the end? Um, again, I want I wanted to leave it open um, because I do think there there's so many storylines there that you could do tangents off of, mm-hmm. um, and I just wanted to leave it open in the fact that. Um, because Elizabeth does kind of go off the deep end, you know, like we're, we've been watching her, we've been rooting for her the whole time. And then near the end, you know, she, she kind of loses control a little bit. Um, and I think that's, you know, it's a significant change in her character as well. And I think that's why I felt that it worked and that it, you know, 
as a thriller kind of person, like I love scary movies and I love thrillers and like psychological thrillers, um, that I just felt like that was a really good way to end the film was just, you know, cut to black and then her speaking and, um, in lieu that it can be taken a few different ways. Cause generally speaking, people take it the, a different way than what I'm anticipating for the sequel, if that makes sense. How, I mean, how do people normally take it? That she's going to keep continue killing. Yeah. Yeah, because she yeah. sort of sees like the opportunity with that creepy guard that right. has a whole relationship with other female inmates, <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, cool! I can. This is what what's this the is li- going to be easier than I thought." That's the line. Yeah, I wrote it down. Yeah. yeah. But but what did she focus on? Hmm. Let me on the guard. Hold on. Let me frantically well, he's pull got up keys. my script. Teacher Masaros. He's if got I, keys. He's got keys. So maybe yeah. escaping. Yeah. So she's not. She's not going to stay in prison. She's too smart for that. Yeah. Here we go. So, yeah. I mean, she might continue killing, but it's, again, she's very focused. Yep. She so. notices the key ring attached to his belt. Do you yeah. have to, like, when you're when you're putting your head in the space of writing, you know, somebody who's killing people for very specific reasons, because Elizabeth is a pretty well-defined character over the course of this script, do you have to, like, consciously put your head into, like, a darker space? Is there any sort of, like process that you sort of go through when you are constructing this story um i'm not sure again like i so i studied hospitality management i was going to be a wedding planner like full and through that's what i was going to do um so you clearly are ready to kill that's cool (laughs) right yeah exactly all those brides no um it was just more so that it definitely comes in waves. I've noticed. I don't know if it's just a mentality or what, um, but there's different things that spark. Um, like, so for instance, the script, when I first wrote it, it took me a week to write the first page. Um, because like, I didn't know how I want to start it. I didn't know how I want to introduce the characters. Like what, how do I start? Like, do I start on the crime scene or do I start with like a little bit of the family? Like, how do I start this? And it took me a week. And then I just said, screw it. And I just started typing. And then I wrote the rest of the script in a week. Mm -hmm. So wow. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, there's times where like, I was like, okay, I know I want to edit the scene, but where do I want to go? And I'll sit there and I'll stare at it for a couple days. And then one day I'll just like rewrite like three scenes so that there's definitely it comes in waves and different things can spark it because I know um, some of the details that I added late, like the uh, conversation with her biological father um, and the suicide attempt or the, the suicide of the Copeland's young victim. Mm-hmm. Um, those things came about after watching the show, the alienist. Mm-hmm. I don't hmm. know if you saw that. I think it was TNT. I don't know that one. It was Dakota Fanning. Um, oh, wow. Okay. It was so basically it's like the hunt of a serial killer, um, but like in the late 1800s. Yes, it mm. looks very cool. I'm looking oh, at it on it's Google. so good. Yeah. It is so good. And the costuming in it is just like so on point and like I want to be in the show so bad. Those like, shoulder oh. puffs, I'm all about them. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so on point and I love it. But anyway, um, so I got really engrossed into that series and um there were certain things with it and i ironically my acting agent at one point too um we were looking over some of my headshots and she goes well if that's what you're going for then like go farther you're not going farther not far enough and i was like all right and then i started reading the script i was like that's not far enough and i started like ripping it to shreds and mm-hmm. was like how can i dive deeper into this and um so it's just like little little things that you tie back like either acting or some other shows that i'm watching and it'll just kind of cause me to go into a 
frantic typing editing mode. <laughs> I, what what kind of things did you cut out of the script? You know, you said you originally wrote oh. 195 oh. pages. Is that what you said? 54. 54. 54. Okay. <laughs> you know, what did you what did you drop in those other 35 pages that you cut? Well, I remember I dropped one male victim to make the um, steadfast, but a lot, Three a dead lot of guys, just, not four. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of it was just a uh, blank space, like leading mm. into like, oh, let's go to the farmhouse. And, you know, that was where some industry professionals really helped me out with. They're like, you know, scenes start in the middle and leave early, you know. Um, mm. So it was just it, it was a lot of fat mm-hmm. as what they call it trimming the fat um so that's that that was where a lot of it was but i, I honestly i can't even remember at this point <laughs> well good then <laughs> yeah that means right. you, were, you were okay with killing whatever little darlings you had there and just move on because you wanted to focus on the story that you were telling yeah it, and it was really funny because i remember when i had 154 they're like oh you got to cut 40 pages i was like there is no way in hell i can do that like <laughs> i was like how am i supposed to do that um, and then I, the first edit that I got, I think I t- took out like five pages. I was like, that's the trim as I can get it. Like, I don't know what else I can do. <laughs> um, he can't pull over any farther. He's already pulled <laughs> over. I can't do this. Um, so yeah. And then, um, just those little pointers of like, you know, starting the scene late, leaving early, like type thing. You don't need the cordials. You don't need the arriving. You don't need the, this, that, and the other thing, um, where it's like, wow, I really don't. And then when you don't read it for a month or two and then come back to it, you're like, oh, well, that's what they're talking about. Yeah. And you're just like ripping through it. Yep. That's an interesting element so. of it. The idea of perspective and not even necessarily getting somebody else's input, but just being able to set it down for a little bit and coming back to it with, with, with fresher eyes than you were if you're just mm-hmm. constantly sitting in front of your screen. Yeah. I print it out a lot too. I've, I've killed a lot of trees and I feel very sorry about that. Um, mm-hmm. but I do print it out. I, I just feel like reading it sometimes is a little bit easier going through with a pen than reading it on the computer. Yeah. And there was one point to, um, one of my latest edits, someone was saying like in the middle there, it got like a little sloppier. It took a little too long to evolve. And I think, I think I started at scene 42 to like 100. I like, actually cut them out and individually like plastered these scenes together and like spread them out on a floor yep. and like physically moved the pages around yeah. to try to get them into an order that I liked. So. I kinda, I do that with note cards sometimes where like I'll, mm-hmm. I'll write out my beats on note cards and my storylines and then so I can visualize them, move them around on the floor. Or oh, wow. I, I end up taping them up on a wall mm-hmm. a lot of times mm-hmm. and then just boop, boop, I almost boop, 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 boop. Like yeah. a serial killer would. Yeah. Yeah. So watch yourself. It's, de- it's in the details. Jumbly. You got to cover those details. That's right. You got to get the thread tied just right around the thumbtack and you find the right <laughs> clipping from the newspaper. Absolutely. I get it. There's a chili conspiracy in Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> um, another detail that I wanted to ask about, too, we didn't we did talk about painting, but why the flowers particularly? Mm. Why do the flowers keep coming up for Elizabeth? Um. Uh, very, very early on when it was still a Criminal Minds episode, it was, um, I had this idea of being able to tell, um, this person who was going crazy was able to tell if a person was good, morally good or bad, like based on their blood somehow, like it was just like their weird thing that they had going on. Mm -hmm. Um, so then I originally had a thriving flower and like a dying flower. So then like the bad people went on the dying flower and the good people went on the thriving flower. Um, 
type thing. So I don't, I don't know, just the, the redness of the rose, I think was mm-hmm. what really drew me into it. And then, um, playing off of that kind of evolved into the other flowers and I'm a gardener myself. So like, I just like some flowers and I was like, Oh, those are pretty. (laughs) Well, um, I like the way it's written in the script where, because she has these guys kind of strung up in the basement and sort of the way that they're hanging from like this meat hook that they're on is sort of determining the, the, the shape of the flower that she's going to paint. I thought that was a a cool naturalistic kind of thing. Pretty gross. Yeah. It is pretty gross and going to be the hardest thing when we film. Like I am well aware of like trying to get people like roped up in a weird form that's different than the person before them to make these different flowers. Like I I absolutely understand that that's probably going to be the most difficult prospect of putting that on film. So in terms of production, I mean, you said you're look this is something you would absolutely love to move forward with. Is is there a plan where where are things at in in the scheme of that? Well, um, that's why I found Independent Film Festival. Um, I started, uh, I got intros, like some of the people that I know. um, It was actually a director of photography that I worked with last summer on the NBC show. Um, He was a great guy and he was like submitted to festivals. And um, so I did a lot of festivals and a lot of them that did feedback specifically because, you know, I was still, I'm still young in my writing process. And so I was like, tell me where I need work and (laughs) tell me where I need to focus. Um, so yeah, I did a lot of feedback festivals and then I just, oh gosh, I I submitted to way too many. I can openly admit that. Um, what do you mean? I think getting it out there as much as you can, I think is great. Well, they all cost money. Oh, well, fair enough. So yeah, there's that. (laughs) Oh, right. You're living in the world still. I forgot. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so I submitted to like a ton of them and I got a lot of feedback back, which was great. Like, I mean, it was super helpful into just diving deeper into the story and making the characters so much richer um, to the point where it is now. Um, And yeah, just to try to get momentum, try to get the laurels I've gotten. um, What what was it? Four official selections and then a semifinalist so far. And I think I have 10 left that it's still... I'm still awaiting. Um, well, best of luck with those. For. That's awesome. Yes, yeah. congratulations Thank and good you. luck going forward. But yeah, yeah, and it was just more so like, you know, am I crazy or is this actually like? Obviously, I think this is a great story. <laughs> I wrote it. <laughs> um, trying to get other people's perspective on it, what worked, what didn't work, what they thought, and making sure that that aligned with what I was trying to write as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, if somebody out there did want to get a hold of you and get in touch with you about your work or how they could see this, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, I am on all sorts of stuff. I'm on Instagram. Email is like the easiest way, um, but it's bridget.e.masaros at Gmail. Um, my Instagram is bridget.e.masaros. Uh, my IMDb is Bridget Masaros. So yeah, it's uh I'm all over the place. <laughs> awesome. And we will for sure have uh, all that contact information available uh, because we have your script posted on scriptshopshow.com slash scripts. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your creepy ass great murder <laughs> murder script. You know, the whole meat hooks thing, it's fucked up. It's I mean, awesome. It's twisted, man. She's yeah, killing dudes. That's, that's one of the best parts. It's one of the best details of the whole script. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing that and putting that all in my mind. <laughs> Yes, no worries. Just, you know, fresh for your daughter to, for perspective, you know, new mom. Be like, oh, this is a great world out there. Yeah. Uh, well, well, it's a nice lesson in what not to do because Amy kept Amy's character kept this daughter very sheltered and shielded from the world. Yeah, I have a notepad yeah. called what not to do to fuck up your kid. Right. And I definitely added 
uh, read Masterpiece by Bridget Masara. Yeah, don't yeah, don't do anything <laughs> don't that do Amy that. does. <laughs> Socialize your daughter. Come on. Right. Actually, no. That was. Uh, I do have to say, I have to put this little button in there, Allison. So much respect to you for bringing your child to the film festival. Like that was one of the best things for me as someone who is getting to the point of family planning yeah. soon where it was like you just like walked out you're like hey how's everybody doing child on the hip like no big she, deal like hey how oh, are doing? Yeah. All know, I'm, the, I'm best. the operator of this whole festival you know yeah, she had been going to meetings with me about this festival probably within like seven weeks of being born and so <laughs> she 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 gets it i think she knows what's going on she loves hanging out with mommy and honestly mm-hmm. i didn't want to be away from her for that long so we got now we're talking about the film festival again, but we got an Airbnb super close so that she could be there. My parents were there to take nice. care of her and they would bring her to me when I needed to see her and vice versa. So it worked out <laughs> for everybody. And I got to have the little cutie with me the whole time, pretty much. Mm-hmm. She's That's great. Very Thanks for saying that, Bridget. But yeah, no, honestly, that was like my friend. I brought Lauren with me, who mm-hmm. also like works with children too. She was like, "All right, all right." So this is how it's gonna like. It was like day one of the film festival. You came out with Olive on your hip, and we're like, "All right, all right." So this is respect. That's right. right. Tone Boom. set. Mind. You're welcome. <laughs> Bridget, thank you so much for sending us your script. Thank you for sending it to the film festival. Thank you for coming all three days. It yes. was great to get to know you, yes. and thank you for being on the Such show. Such an honor to have you in town. Yeah, for thanks sure. for reading it. I yeah, was, uh, totally. I'm just more excited for the more people to read it. Yeah. And they can definitely do that. Scriptshopshow.com slash scripts. That's right. So thanks, Bridge. Talk to you later. Bye. Appreciate it. I like that. I like the line that she had in there about how good scenes start in the middle and end early. I think that's so economical, and I think that's such good advice. I like that, too. If we ever make a movie on Script Shop, (laughs) I just love the idea. Script Shop the movie movie. as opposed to Script Shop (laughs) the the podcast. podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should we should just make that a huge thing where the scenes, which of course would make it a brilliant movie, they start and then like Frank just gets up and walks away or mm-hmm. something, or like that uh, promo we did where you got out of the room. We are, I left. couldn't take it anymore because yeah. you asked a terrible question. <laughs> the kayfabe promo is so funny. Yeah. The bonus story, I guess, in that regard. Can I can I put in a request if we do do script shop the movie? Yeah. Can I play Frank? Who's gonna play you? I don't know. We can figure that out. Carrie Elway can play me. I really. uh, uh, Well, then I'm going to play me, and we're going to have. That's fine. We're going to have a tryst then, just so I can kiss him. That's fine. That's fair. And also, I don't think you could play Frank. Honestly, I would have to get inside his head, Frank. I'd have to live in your house for a while. That could be fun. (laughs) (laughs) We honestly have no idea where Frank lives, though. So. Yeah, I know. Well, listen, we'd figure it we out. We tried to get to my house last I, week. No, we talked about this. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, we specifically uh-huh. tried to figure out where you live mm-hmm. because we have no idea. Mm-hmm. None. I might not even head. live in Dayton. Yeah, well, <laughs> as far as I know, you live in northern Cincinnati, so. This is yeah. what I want. So if, if we make Script Shop the movie, I dibs on the Frank role for sure. <laughs> okay. Folks, if you have written Script Shop the movie, if you, if you if want you, to write a treatment <gasps> for Script yes, Shop the movie. Uh, write Script Shop the movie. You should do that. Write you should, Script Shop the movie. But failing that, if you've written uh, anything else that you want to send our way, you should absolutely do that. And you can do that by going on to Film Freeway and looking up Script Shop or uh, sending it to us directly on scriptshopshow.com slash submit. And we haven't mentioned our little promo for the submission process in oh, a little bit. That's right. If you hashtag it or in, in any way communicate us the words hot burrito. Yeah. When you submit your script, we put your script right to the top of the of the reading list. And we do have a we have a guest coming up soon that, that will be that has taken advantage of that and that we will be cashing in on that with. Yeah. So uh you'll be hearing from Megan Bickle soon mm-hmm. who hot burritoed us and we're gonna be talking about her work 
on an upcoming episode. And if you like us in, a, in other ways and you want to find out other ways to get in touch with us, we are on Facebook, we are on Twitter, we are on Instagram. Uh, you can check us all out on there. And leave us a review if you're listening to us on iTunes. If you've subscribed, uh, leave us a review, thumbs up, hit the notification bell, whatever all the technical terms there we are. We love it. You should do all those things. Yeah. So thank you, friends. It has been such a pleasure talking about people's life-changing moments with you. Mm -hmm. Um, And we will talk to you soon. So until next week, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West, hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley, produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. It's cool.